I went crazy. Hi, David Sparks. Hi, Dan Benjamin. Well, just to be clear, you're not you're not Merlin Man. What have I done? What have I done? <laughs> I, but you're filling in. You're filling in for Merlin. Merlin was uh, was out. He's he's uh, su- there's some some crazy super busy stuff uh, for him going on, and uh, we missed last week. And he he said, "Listen, I don't want I don't want you to have to miss another week." He said, "Get somebody, get somebody." And I said, "Well, who who am I going to get?" He's like, "I'll help you. I'll get. I'll help you get anybody." And they went through and, a list of like thirty people, <laughs> <laughs> and then you got to me. They're like, well, he he'll do anything. He's like Mikey, you know. Right. That's right. I mean, he's got all the time in the world, and uh, he's not doing anything. He's I, just sitting around. I agreed to do it yesterday. I was, you know, because Merlin has done like a million things for me. If Merlin needs something, I'm there. But then I woke up this morning and said, you know, what the heck have I done? I I'm filling right. in for Merlin, man. It's like uh, it's like a broom pusher for Johnny Carson, right? <laughs> what am I That's awesome. Do? Well, what I uh, what I, when when he what he said is here's what was Merlin's advice. Merlin's advice was. Don't worry so much about talking about the kinds of things that we talk about. He says, just g- get somebody that you like, get somebody whose stuff you admire, and uh, and that's the, you were the first, actually the first person that I suggested, and he loved the idea, so he endure he in- fully endorses you. Then I went in the chat room, and they're like, "So <laughs> don't go in the chat room." No, they, they said, "Well, where's your bell?" And like, I don't have a bell, Dan. <laughs> I'm here. Yeah. I'm back to work. I don't have a bell. Yeah. And then someone says, "Well, just take a pencil and hit a glass." I got stainless steel here. Right. That's not going to help. No, no, that doesn't work. I've already failed. So for the the few people in the audience who don't, because they, uh, Mar- Merlin and I are always talking about you, both on and off the air. But for people who don't know you, uh, who who are you? I know what you guys talk about. I am a jackal. I'm. You guys let a jackal in the booth. <laughs> so you are the guy who you are by day. Your your secret identity is you are a lawyer. Yeah, and yeah. by evenings and weekends you uh, you are many other things. You you are a writer. You podcast. You have an amazing show, long running show, more than two hundred. What are you up to? Two o. We recorded two o seven last night. Two o seven. Yeah, uh, of Mac Mac Power Users, which is at five by five TV slash MPU, a show that you started with Katie Floyd. Years and years ago, and then it joined Five by Five, and uh, and uh, you're still there over at uh, slash MP. I'll put that into the show notes. And y- you know, it's funny because you guys talk about so much more than just Mac stuff. Um, but the name the name still works for some reason. Yeah, it does. I got yeah. I started wondering about that when we started the show. There was just the Mac, but now we cover iOS and we cover we get into other stuff. We had Casey listen last night. We were talking about. Uh, technology for babies, you know, all the Bluetooth LE stuff. I mean, why not have yeah. a diaper, uh, you know, a diaper Bluetooth thing? Right. It tells you when they're wet. See, now I, so you, I got kids this, covered, so now I'm feeling like I'm getting in the groove. I got kids. Let's talk about some comics now. Yeah. Well, you, do you read comics? Oh, yeah, I do. Oh, yeah. Because what of Merlin. What are you Merlin. reading these days? Because of, Yo, Merlin. because of Merlin? Yeah. Because of Merlin and a few other guys. Because when I was a kid, I wanted to read comics. My mom... Uh, we didn't have any money growing up. My mom was really smart. She went and bought me an Archie. And I said, this is oh, the nice. dumbest thing I've ever read. And <laughs> right. then I never read comics. And then, oh, no. So because of what if she bought, if she bought you like Spider-Man or Batman, you probably would have been reading your whole life. We probably would have lost our house. Archie's the worst. <laughs> I don't understand wh- who reads Archie. Yeah. Well, who has ever read Archie after 1952? Anyway, so uh, so you you guys started talking about it on this show, and then I started buying them, and now I'm into it. I and then I talked to I have some other friends. Rob Cordry is another guy who always gives me comic recommendations, mm-hmm. and um and so I I've got some cool comics, but you know I'm not sure people. I'm not nearly as smart about it as you guys are. I know what I like though. What do you re- What do you read? What do you like? Um, lately I'm into the Wake. I don't know, do you know that about that one? I do know about that one. That's the one from um. Uh, is it Snyder and who's who's working on that with him? I don't know. I know th- I remember the name Snyder on the cover, but I, I don't know the I don't know the people behind them. The Wake. That's uh, yeah. on Vertigo. I'm looking it up. That's uh, Vertigo Comics. I, I also am into yeah. Scott Snyder and Sean Murphy is uh, is drawing it. Yeah, my uh, because you know Merlin, I got into Saga, and I also got into Sex Criminals, which is 
not what it not as not what it sounds like really <laughs> and <laughs> and my favorite by far is Hawkeye which I'm a little worried about I think they may be shutting that one down now oh really I'm not sure that's my favorite one but I don't know I don't I don't read them that often but it's nice it's kind of fun you know in the evening just decompress and read a comic book yeah, there's a, do you read now? Do you go out and buy the physical ones or do you read them digitally? No, I, I just do them digitally. And, yeah. and frankly, and I'm sure this is a common story, when they you know did the big breakup with Apple at Comixology, I really reduced the number of comics I've been buying because it's silly. But I mean, to go to the browser and go in, I just, I'm, I'm not discovering as many as I used to. I'm just not buying and reading as many. Well, see, that's the problem. And that's what everybody was kind of more or less afraid of or concerned about. Uh, because that's, you know, when Comixology famously, anybody who's listened to this show knows because we talked about it. But, you know, Comixology uh, no longer, you can no longer buy things through the app. You've got to go to the website and then it'll push it down to the app. And it killed, completely killed discoverability. And that's something that I think is actually an interesting topic because in addition to uh, doing the lawyer stuff and reading comics, uh, you also, and podcasting, uh, you also write a lot of stuff and you have, we can, why don't you pimp, pimp your thing a little bit? Um, which, which one? <laughs> the, new, the new one. Pimp oh, the new I, one. I've got a new book. I've been writing these books. So for... A couple of years, I wrote books for a big publisher, and then at some point, I decided to stick it to the man and start publishing my own. And at the time, I was I was looking at you know one of the real reasons I did this is I wanted something more rich media. You know, I'm just done with writing books about technology that require screenshots and words to convey information. Yeah, uh, I, the the breaking point for me was when I was doing I did a book for Wiley, and there was a section there I was trying to teach people how to do an encrypted disk image. I mean, a lot of people don't realize on the Mac, it's already built in. If you want to make like a secure image, you can, you can do that. You don't need to buy extra software, but you know, I only had like two screenshots and like 300 words to describe a fairly complex process. And I got done writing it and I gave it to my wife. I said, see if you can figure this out. And she couldn't do it. <laughs> right. And I'm like, that's just no good. So so I wanted to make books where I could in, include videos, you know, like screencast videos and things like that. And at the yeah. time, there was really no great platform for it. I was working on making a, a media-rich PDF, which I, I'm pretty sure was going to break everyone's computer that bought it. <laughs> yeah, because those things are like, <laughs> they're really big and Adobe yeah. and all these different things going on. Um, and then Apple announced iBooks Author. And this was two or three years ago. And at the time, a lot of people were panning it, saying, I'm not sure that the big publishers are going to get in on this and education, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Um, that's a Merlin thing, right? Blah, blah, blah. Did I do that right? I'm yeah. not sure. Okay, well. It was perfect. And, but I was thinking, hey, my people are all iPad users, and this is perfect for me. So I immediately jumped on. I've been using iBooks Author now for several years, and I've got these things called Max Sparky Field Guides. And each one is like an in-depth jump into something that I think is important and it's got a bunch of videos and screencasts and Merlin does audio interviews and a lot of them. And I just released one on presentations that I'm very proud of. I, my favorite part of that one, and I know this seems silly, but it's your postures. Oh, do so you the, like that? The, I love that. Thank you. And I love the video that you did uh, that shows you walking down the, the street Talking like a madman into your into your headset, and this is something that's I'm not really talking cool. In my headset, Dan, I'm practicing my presentation. Oh, right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, I, so one of the things that you do, and it was going to be a perfect segue until I got it wrong, was uh, you you have uh, you dictate a lot when you're writing, and you've told me this because I was asking you when I started working on my uh, my podcasting handbook. I'm like, what should I write this thing in? And this, so I thought this would be, because before the show you were, you were um, having an anxiety, a small anxiety attack because you didn't know what we would talk about. Yeah. But this was what was on my mind is in the process of creating these things, like how do you do this? Because you went and you did, you decided to do this thing in iBooks author, first of all. Yeah. Does that, before we get into the how of it, does that, cut you off from being able to sell it and self-publish it on Amazon and release it as a PDF? Or are you going to like make different versions of it that you can put into 
into those spaces as well because there's so much that I, I was thinking that I could do for – listen, if I'm supposed to be teaching people like how to podcast, right, or what's involved, like good mic addressing technique, that would take like five paragraphs to explain or like one eight-second video. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. Like, so, so the temptation – with these tools around is there, but then I know there's a lot of people who are going to listen to it who like, they're not going to have iBooks on because they don't, they don't have an iPad or an iOS device at all. And you'd be surprised how many people who listen to these shows, like don't use Mac stuff, don't use Apple stuff. And like, I don't want to cut them off or give them a crap experience because like, well now, so, so I still need to write those five paragraphs to explain good mic technique instead of showing the little video like, how do you make that decision to do that? Or do we just say, screw it? If you're not cool, you don't get the, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. how? Well, yeah. there's a couple things. Uh, number one is it, iBooks is now also on the Mac. So there's a lot of people that have Macs but don't have iPads or yeah. iPads but don't have Macs. So you've got a pretty good overlap of an audience there or, or sections of the audience. Um, to my, my feeling is, and it's always been about these these Max Berkey field guides is I just want them to be the best, whatever I need to do to make them the best is what I'm going to do. I, I don't, I'm not as concerned about hitting a massive audience as I am making it the best. Yeah. And, and the best for you meant iBooks. Well, it, it absolutely is. It still is because I have control over the layout. I don't know if you saw the new one, I got some professional help and the layout is amazing. And all that stuff is built in and it feels it feels like something that wasn't made by a hack, you know, up in his bedroom based home office, which is what I do. You know? <laughs> right. Uh, it feels like something better than that. So, you know, uh, but but anyway, so that's really important to me. You can, however, uh, iBooks, you know, Apple's very particular. If you use the iBooks platform, they want you and you're going to sell it. They want you to sell it through their store. Yeah, their store is in fifty-one countries. I'm pretty good with that. I mean, there's still a couple countries mm-hmm. that I hear from, like China and a couple others, where people really want to buy the book in the iBooks format, and Apple just hasn't got it done yet. But yeah. but you know, fifty-one countries is still quite a few. Um, but see, more- I almost feel like what you made it, you you call it a field guide. It is very different and a very different experience reading this thing than getting a book on your Kindle and sitting there and reading it that way. It's, it's, you know, I have a Kindle, I've got a Kindle Paperwhite, the newest one. And if I want to read something, I'm going to, I'm going to look for it there. If it's not there, I'm not going to get it. But this is what I want to be clear about is with, with, with your stuff, especially the, you know, the fact that you're pushing this thing so far, it's not just about reading. It's about like learning, right? Like it's a completely different thing. It's not, Oh, I'm going to go get Dave's new book. No, you're not going to go get Dave's new book. You're going to go and learn how to give presentations. That's different. It's very different. One of the innovations, I guess you call it innovation. This book was uh, a couple. I I put myself in this book more, you know, like the posture shots and things like that. Like there's a section of the book where I'm talking about how do you stand? Because I watch people give presentations and a lot of people don't know what to do with themselves. And, and it's really distracting to the audience. And I was thinking, well, I could make stick figures or I could go on and find some, you know, some crappy stock art. And then I got thinking, and uh, my wife and I were eating breakfast. I said, heck with it. I'm just going to stand in the corner and you can just take my picture and I'll just put it in the book. Yeah. And it came out okay. You know, I, I had fun. I just kind of mugged it up a little bit. Another thing I did in the book that was fun is uh, I'm a, I'm kind of a Jack Johnson fan. I think it's from, I just have this thing for Hawaii. So, you know, whatever. Um, but I, I was reading an article he wrote or they wrote about him and in his most recent album, he, you know, he uses a lot of acoustic instruments. He took all the instruments he used in the album and he laid them in his driveway and they just (laughs) took this big shot of all the the instruments. And then they had little pop outs talking about what the instruments were. And I'm like, that's perfect. Cause at the time I was thinking about how I'm going to show what's in my toolbox. Cause when I go to a presentation, I have a toolbox. So I just opened the toolbox, laid all the stuff on the floor and took a picture of it. That's in my, it's in my living room. Yeah. And, uh, and then I put using iBooks author, you can put little interactive gizmos where you touch on it and it tells you what it is and why it's important. So it's kind of fun doing that stuff. Now, getting back to your question though, uh, I can't, while I can't sell the iBooks file outside of the iBook store, 
Apple doesn't care about me selling PDFs, and even I could generate the PDF from iBooks, so it looks exactly like it does in iBooks, but it's just a flat PDF. And then I also, as I'm building the book, I create little folders with all of the media in it. All the movies are in it, you know, all the screenshots, all the audio interviews, and I put those into nested folders, and I zip it up, and I put it on the internet for sale. So people who who can't get into iBooks... Mm-hmm. They can just download, they can buy the the PDF. And it's not as good of an experience because you read the PDF and then it says screencast number three. And then you got to go into the folder and click on screencast number three. Right. Although I, I put it in a format where you could put it in iTunes and, and none of it's DRM'd or anything. So you, you can do whatever you want to make it work for you. But I always tell people, if you've got an I, iPad or a Mac, get the iBooks version. I actually make less money off those because Apple gets oh, really? their cut, you know. I sell them yeah. both for the same price. Well, speaking of uh, of making money, if if people, I've got to do our first uh, our first spot here. Here's a, here's another great way to learn things because people who listen to this show, I think the same ones. Some of them listen to to the other show I do, Quit, which we need to get you on too at some point. And one of our first sponsor uh, is Linda, and they help people learn new skills. That's basically what they're about, and they do it visually. They do it with screencasts, which you've got a lot of screencasts in your uh, in your book. If we, I don't even want to call it a book. It's yeah, I'm not sure what you call it. I'm going to call it a guy, a, an experience. Wow, that sounds magical. <laughs> it is magical, and uh, but here's the thing: if you want to learn something new, I mean, they've got a brand new course on there. We've told you a little bit about here called "Getting Things Done." It's with David Allen. Like that's Linda's philosophy: is they go out there and they get people who you know, the, the authors of these things themselves, people who are, who are working. If you want to learn, you know, I always talk about Final Cut Pro because like Final Cut Pro is like a black hole. Like you could spend your whole life learning it. And, and, and you know, you only hit mastery after using it for a long time. Well, this is a way to jump in. It's, it's visual. These are screencasts. This is, you're visually watching the pros use it and learning from them. And, uh, and, and Linda has so many courses, thousands and thousands of them, over 2,400 courses. These things are taught by industry experts. They're adding more every single week. And, uh, and, and they provide training. You have a small business and you want to get your, you know, everybody on your team up to speed with something. They, they got deals for that, you know, courses for all experience levels. You could be starting out, you could be a pro, tons and tons of great stuff to learn. And their content again is made by the, the people who are doing this. And it really, there's everything in there. I mentioned getting things done. You can get a course on that. You can get a course. You want to learn Office? You got to learn Office for your new job. They'll teach you how to do it. Keynote, you name it, it's in there. And uh, and you can go to Linda. It's spelled L-Y-N-D-A dot com. You watch it from your computer, your tablet, and your mobile device. And it's this is the way to learn things. The stuff that Dave's working on. Stuff that they have over at Linda, this is the best. So there's a special URL to use, Linda, L-Y-N-D-A, lynda.com slash back to work. You'll get a seven-day free trial. I was talking to them last week, and I said, you know what I usually, uh, what, what I was thinking about, and I was talking to our, our contact over there, and I said, you know, people could watch a whole heck of a lot of stuff during the seven days. They could, like, learn Final Cut Pro over the seven days. And I'm like, yeah, then like, I, guess, I guess they could. And, and, but that's the thing. Like, once you get started learning this way, you can't go back. And, uh, and you're going to get a seven-day free trial where you can watch unlimited stuff as much as you want, every single video, if you could fit it in. So go to lynda.com slash back to work. Go check them out. Thanks very much for supporting Back to Work with David Sparks. I'm working, but this is the future. This I'm is working the future through regular expressions on Linda right now. Aren't they the best? I mean, yeah. they just, they've got it. You yeah. know, they've got it, so... Anyway, thanks very much to them for supporting David's show. It's your show. No, so you go show. out there and you you start making this thing. Yeah. And this is this is a daunting daunting process. If you've ever tried, you've done a handful of these things. But this is something that it just you 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 go through this process of creating. And I called you up, and I said I'm starting this podcasting handbook thing. What should I use to write it? Should I just like open a text file and start writing it in Markdown? Should I go and use, uh, what is that, Scrivener that Andy Nako is always talking about is like the best thing in the world? Do I write it in pages? And you told me that you walk around talking into your headset, dictating it into into like 
pages on your iPhone as you're walking around. I I uh, tech I get text wherever I can find it. You know I um yeah the, the joke about me is I'm kind of a fraud about all this stuff. I've got so many things going on. I don't know how I get anything done. So I just grab little bits of time whenever I can, and I spend a a ton of time planning these things. I uh, I'm a big mind mapper. So uh, you know like I'm already working on the next one, and it's this big massive mind map on my iPad right now. And spending, what do you use to do the mind mapping when you say that? Uh, some people might not know what that is. Uh, so, you know, mind mapping is the idea of you can just write random thoughts and ideas on a screen and then you can connect them. And then sometimes they get a little hierarchical structure. Sometimes they don't. It's a very hippie thing. I, But I, it works for me. It, it never worked for me until I got an iPad, but it just feels right for me on the iPad. So I spend a lot of time mind mapping. And so every every book starts out as a map. And... I spend a lot of time figuring out where I'm going to put things. And I don't start dictating or writing until I've got a pretty good idea how it's all going to fit together. And that enables me to dictate. Because if I was just to sit down and say, well, I'm going to start writing a book, you know, you can't just start from scratch that way. You've got to have a plan. And uh, the dictation stuff to me is just great because I have some RSI issues and typing a lot. You know, there's it's like a little bit of a uh, timer in my fingers. The more I type, the sooner the timer goes off, and I, I don't want to do that. So I, I dictate. Um, I use Dragon Dictate on the Mac, which is really great. And Siri Dictation gets increasingly better. Um, in iOS 8, it will it will put the words on the screen as you say them, which is, to me, a huge oh, awesome. improvement. Um, so, so I'll just start. You know, I'll just start type, or I'll just start talking into it. And and frankly, the the books have a different feel for them. They're more conversational, I think, partly because I dictate so much of them. But obviously, I, I go back and massage it later. Um, but I so I just find little bits of time and start dictating. And the great thing about Scrivener, the thing Scrivener taught me really is when you write a long project, you don't have to start at the beginning and finish at the end. You can go wherever you you know your heart takes you. And having a nice outline together and having a list of things you need to cover for this book or this paper or whatever you're doing, there's nothing wrong with saying, you know what, I feel really good about writing the seventh section of this book today. I I feel it in my bones. This is something I'm ready to talk about. And Mm -hmm. so you just write that section. You, You put a thousand words in the middle of it somewhere and you don't have to talk about the transition from the prior section you don't you don't have to do anything but that one part and it makes it really easy and you check that off and you come back the next day and you're like you know what the 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 14th section now that's one i'm feeling good about today so you start working on that section and you just start checking these things off and before you know it you've got it all done and maybe that section that's been on your mind for two or three weeks you couldn't you couldn't have done it two or three weeks ago because you needed to let your brain cook on a little bit but after two or three weeks you're ready to write that section and all of a sudden that just comes out of you so um, I think letting yourself be nonlinear with that stuff makes it a lot easier well I think somehow people at least when I say people even though I've got an English degree and I, I pretend to be a writer, there's some aspect of that that like the first time that you learn when you're a kid that they don't film the movie in the order that the scenes happen, that like they might film all the scenes that take place, you know, in the house in like two or three days. And then they film all the scenes that take place on the motorcycles in two or three days, you know, like and then they assemble them back into a movie again. Uh, in in the order that they're supposed to to tell the story. When you learn that, it kind of boggles your mind. At least it boggled mine when I was a kid. I was like, wait, you mean that they're not doing it in sequence? And I learned that, you know, sometimes it's in sequence, but yeah. not not always because they're doing location shoots. They're only going to be in Arizona for one week. So they got to get all their Arizona shots done, you know? And, it, you know, when you think about that, it, you, you kind of relay that to to hearing what you're saying now about, you know, this, this writing process that you don't necessarily sit down and write chapter one and then write chapter two and write chapter three that you might have this idea of, well, today I'm inspired to talk about posture and tomorrow I might be inspired to talk about, you know, slides, you know, and, and you can jump back and forth and why not jump back and forth? But is that the way that you've always written or did you have to sort of learn that? 
Um, that's kind of the way I do it in the day job, but that's the way I do things too. I mean, I, I like when I write legal stuff, you know, you have, yeah. I always feel like the introduction is really important. I clerked for a judge before I became a lawyer and I remember what it was like because you would just get hundreds of these briefs thrown at you every week yeah. and you had to get through them and you had to make a decision and, and people give you, I mean, some of these lawyers are crazy. They give you like three inches worth of papers and that's like one of, you know, a hundred motions that's going to get decided this <laughs> oh week. Oh, my God. You know, it's like the collected works of Harry Potter. Just read it all, then you can decide. <laughs> and, and, right. you know, and having worked on the inside, I know that it's, it's really hard for these judges to get through it all. So to me, the introduction, the first page, you're going to sell it, and you're going to win or lose in that first page. So that was, when I was a young lawyer, I would always write that last. Because you never know exactly what you're going to say until you've written it. So I, I would start in the middle. And that's kind of the way I got to it. And then when I got into Scrivener, it just, it really bangs you over the head with it because the way Scrivener works is you set up an outline and then you've got all these little buckets you can put text in and it's, it makes it obvious to you that you don't have to write it linearly. You can, you can just start putting pieces in here and there. That's, that's something that I think as simple as this seems, as simple of an idea as that seems like, and hearing you talk about it, like it's given I don't know. I mean, a lot of people, I think at least they, they kind of feel like, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write this thing in the right order. And it almost feels like you're breaking some kind of rule by jumping around or moving around. And I found that, you know, in working on this, the handbook that I'm working on now, like it's, it, it's very almost helpful to say, oh, this part's frustrating. I'll just get to it later. And putting it down and working on something else that you know is in this, this, this form, this idea but it's got to be daunting and I almost feel like there's this – people have this hesitation sometimes to think, well, like I'm I'm no expert. What qualifies me to talk about this thing? What qualifies me to, to write about this thing that just because I'm interested in it? And even though we have things like blogging where you've got millions and millions of people or podcasting, millions of people doing these things where admittedly we don't necessarily always know the answer or know what we're doing, but it's the talking about it and the discussion about it that's neat. But like people think of you and I think correctly think of you as an authority about the things that you're writing about, even if you haven't necessarily, uh, you know, like you don't have a degree that says I am a professional at XYZ topic, it's more like, well, you know what? No, but I studied it and I do it and it's something that I do and here's the things that I know and hopefully they'll help you too, right? You're not coming out there saying you're an authority in it. You're just sharing, this is the stuff that I know and this is what worked for me. Yeah, most of my stuff is but really tone, but, you, but your tone is one of someone who who knows because you've done it and like you probably made mistakes along the way. Yeah, a lot of mistakes. Like every, pretty much everything that I tell you not to do in the presentations book is something that I've done. Like you've done and you've done wrong and you figured exactly. out the right way to do it. I've, I've, I've blown it on many levels. How much of your time do you spend like in a courtroom, like up in front of a, you know, litigating up in front of a judge, like with a suit on? Um, not as much as I used to. I, when I first started, it was great. I, it, uh, the, the, the way the courts have become, it's become much more expensive to go to trial. So a lot of my cases end up settling because people just don't want to pay. But my first trial was something like a month after I got sworn in. I mean, one of the reasons I took the job at the firm I did was because a lot of young attorneys, you get like locked in the closet for like five years before you go to a courtroom. And, oh, like doing like research and supportive stuff and writing stuff? Yeah, and I, I was a hotshot debater in college, and I'm like, I want to try cases. I just want to try cases. And so I took a job in a smaller firm, and they're like, yeah, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll give you cases. So my first trial was a month after I got sworn in. The opposing counsel wow. ca called me, and he said, and he was like this Texan guy. He's like, I looked up your bar number, and you don't have one yet. <laughs> <laughs> And, then, and that must have made him feel good, right? Yeah, he, he goes, I'm going to tap dance on your head. <laughs> he said that? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh, your first case? Yeah, and well, that was the biggest mistake you ever made because it 
you know, it made me angry. So, oh God, I, yeah. I spent, and this was a case. It was a, it was an eviction case. It was a doctor who hadn't paid his rent, and um, you know, it was just, it was just a weird case. And I represented the guy who owned the property, and I went crazy. <laughs> I spent like, I treated it like, um, you know, it was like this U.S. Supreme Court. I spent every waking moment working on this case, and I showed up, and I, I crushed the guy. It just, it went great. And um, we got to that must have made him feel great driving home that day, right? Yeah, the yeah. brand new, the, the new kid that you know that I told I was going to destroy. Like he showed up and uh, and shut me down. Oh, and the judge says because it was what they call a bench trial. It wasn't a jury. It was just the the judge, and it was this older judge who'd been around a while. And he said, "Hey, I, I understand where this is going." He says, "If you want, you can go ahead and wave your closing statement, which is usually a pretty good sign, saying, hey, you won, you're done.'" And I said, Judge, this is my first trial, and I'm giving my closing statement. <laughs> and he looked at me and said, well, okay, then why don't you give it to me? <laughs> so, uh, and then it's funny because years later I saw that lawyer at, a, at the, you know, cause at the courthouse. You bump into people, and, and he, yeah. says, he says, you know, I have never teased a young lawyer since that. And I said, you shouldn't. Because that was a, a huge motivator for me at the time. But see, I'm at, I'm just I'm thinking about that, and and like that is such a formative experience, right? Like if they, if you if you'd lost, which of course you I don't see how you could have done because of the motivation of that. But I think there's a lot of people who would have heard that. And your response was to be like, "Screw you, buddy! I'll see you, yeah. I'll see you next week or whatever." And you know, and I could see so many people being like super intimidated by that, like. You know, but but that's the that's something that's so interesting to me that I admire so much about you and about people who who do sort of fight back because by all definitions and any definition of the word, you were like the underdog in that situation. You know, you were the kid that first job, just sworn in, no experience doing this. And it, you know, you treated it, that guy who was representing the other guy was like, ah, it's just something I got to do on Thursday. And for you, this is like, this is my career, dude. Like yeah. I'm starting out doing this and everything counts, right? Yeah, I mean, this was this was the whole thing. Yeah, you know, I was just thinking, I never realized it before. My Texas accent sounds a lot like Foghorn Leghorn. Well, so does everybody's. Yeah. And that's not a bad thing. All right, let me tell you about something else I like. I'm going to tell you about, gosh, I, I do love these guys. I love, you know what? I love it. I love when we get a sponsor that's like, absolutely one of my all-time favorite companies and products and I get to talk about them in a positive way that's like it it, it almost makes me feel like my, my job is too easy at least this part of it uh, so for those people who are watching on the on the live cam you could see these things uh, stuck to my face or my glasses they're by Warby Parker and that's our second sponsor these guys they started the company because they wanted to create boutique quality classically crafted glasses at a, a good price point. Their price point's like a hundred bucks. And I've been buying glasses since I think I started wearing them when I was like early teens, like 12, 13 maybe. And I didn't really wear them on a regular basis till I got older because I never liked any of the glasses that were around. Even back then, like I just never found a pair that I thought looked good. And I remember when I was shortly out of college, I was uh, doing a consulting project for a guy uh, and uh, and he had these cool, they were almost sort of retro. Before retro was like in, there were these sort of retro glasses. And I said, man, I really like your glasses. I can never find a pair like that. Where did you get them? He says, oh, well, they're sunglasses. And I, I took them to the eye place and I had them put regular lenses in there. So that's what I did for years and years because I liked, I liked that styling. Well, you know, Warby Parker came out and this is many years later, of course, but they have the styles that I've always just totally Loved. I'm wearing the Sibleys uh, right now, but I've got two or three other pairs that I have my lenses put in because they're so affordable that for the price of one pair of eyeglasses, I could get like three. And they're really great. They also they have metal ones if you don't like the plastic style, which I prefer. They, they have metal ones. They've got sunglasses. But basically, uh, here, here's, the, here's the way this works. Their prescription glasses start at 95 bucks. Their titanium collection, which is a metal one, started at 145 both including prescription lenses. Uh, every single pair of their glasses uses these uh, premium Japanese titanium and French non-rocking screws. They got polycarbonate prescription lenses that are custom fit. They've got anti-reflective. They've got anti-glare, no additional cost. All of the stuff 
that you want with glasses, including prescription sunglasses too. Really nice case. And the most fun thing that you, you get is this home try-on because you're like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to order glasses on the internet. Here's what you do. You go through, you pick out the five frames that you want. They send them to you for free. You keep them for like a week. Try them on, show your friends, take pictures, and then you send them back. And then you're like, okay, out of all these five, this is the one I liked. Oh, you can do more than one uh, home try-on run too. They don't limit that. And they're great and I love them. And people have asked me this. I would So here's my disclaimer. I have like really screwy astigmatism and I need high index lenses. Yes, they do high index lenses and they automatically figure out that you need them based on what your prescription is. It costs a little bit more, but uh, the answer is yes, they do them. So here's the deal, special deal. Warbyparker.com slash Dan. You will get th- free, this is a tongue twister, Dave, free three-day shipping on your order. So instead of waiting for whatever week, they basically expedite it. Warbyparker.com slash Dan is where you're going to go to do that. And uh, go check these guys out. Wonderful company. Warbyparker.com slash Dan. Do you wear glasses? I do. I do. I, I want, I want to get you in some more. I'm going to hook you up with some Warby Parker. Send I, me your prescription I immediately. I bought it at my kids for, uh, for Christmas this year because I wanted a uh, – Oh, yeah? I saw this picture of Cary Grant wearing these really cool like retro sunglasses. <laughs> yeah. And I said, I want a pair of those. Yeah, I needed nice. prescription sunglasses. So for Christmas, they got me a Warby Parker gift card and I got them. The only thing I'm disappointed is I want to get like green lenses because, you know, Cary was doing the green lens and mine are not green. But they look yeah. pretty good. I know yeah. they do progressives now. This is the sad thing is I um, I found myself holding the stuff farther and farther away to read it. And I was. Oh, I, you ha- no, you have to. That's just, that's normally is this thing. Because what they, my eye doctor told me that they, she calls it an add one or a plus one or something. And basically like, if you have glasses on, you do this thing. And Merlin's been doing this for a decade where you, where someone puts something up near your face and then your instinct is to like, pull it down away from your face like this. So that you can see it better. But it's like nothing makes you seem like an old man more than that gesture of pulling the thing away from your face or like pulling your glasses up off your nose to read something. How humiliating. So we were in Costco and they have the little reading glass booth there. Oh, yeah. And I said, well, let me just see. And I put on a pair of those and I looked at a piece of paper and I'm like, oh, man, this looks really good. So, yeah. so I bought a pair of those reading glasses, but they don't work for me because the focal length is like eight inches. So I have to like lower my head to the table or hold the paper. And the focal length is too close. And I talked to my optometrist. He said, well, it's because of your, your other prescription that you need to see distance that those don't work for you. So I got a pair of progressives made for me. And now it's nice, but that, that doesn't make you feel a little old. Yeah, I had the same thing because I have these, uh, these computer, my, call them my computer glasses. Yeah. And uh and basically they they made a version of my regular prescription that doesn't have the distance like it doesn't correct the distance it just like it's to relax your eyes but then they put this the progressive thing on the bottom but mine is not this is the worst part is they I tried out the progressive ones I didn't like the progressive ones so they're like well you could I don't even know if I want to say this in the air they're like well we could make you bifocals I'm like well what's that going to do other than make me look really old and they said, uh, they said, no, no, no. They said, when you look down at your iPhone, it'll make it like really clear and really crisp. And you can look back up at your screen. I'm like, all right, make me bifocals. So they did. And it's the best thing ever. Well, they call them progressive but I don't wear them. now, right? They call them that. Because well, it- progressive are, is where it m- m- slowly morphs from your regular prescription down into the bifocal. Mine actually have the extra little bifocal lens. It's very, it's almost oh, invisible. Wow. Okay. It's almost invisible, but it's a true, but I never wear, I only wear them. They, you can't tell unless you're really close that they're bifocals. You can't even tell. So I only wear them when I'm at the computer. And so like only, only the people who are in this office, and now everyone listening to the show knows, but like, if you see me on the street, I'm not wearing those. I'm wearing my regular young, young man glasses. There you go. Young man. I don't know. I'm kind of over it. I'm I'm over worrying because when you hit forty, all of a sudden some things start getting weird, and you're used to being <laughs> the young kid all the time, right? Right. And and then at some point you're kind of okay. I was just talking to my nephew because my my sisters are older than I, so my nephew's you know just graduating college, and and he's hitting that point where. 
people he knew as babies are now getting married and stuff. And he says, man, doesn't that make you feel old? You know, when you remember someone as a very little kid and they, they start having these big life steps. And I said, you know, at some point you realize that nah, it doesn't make you feel old anymore. But I remember, you know, in your 30s, that's a big deal. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I totally agree. And it's, it is that weird experience because, you know, when, when, you, when you're working with people – who are just, and I've got, you know, we've got a handful of employees here and many of them are in their twenties. It's just interesting because these are people who they're like you, when you were just, you know, just getting your, uh, passing your bar exam, getting sworn in, like, you know, these are people who they're starting out in their careers. They've got tons of energy and they've got great ideas and they're, you can, you can see that like in your mind as an employer, you are, uh, you are basically, uh, like, you want to hire someone to do a job. And from their standpoint, like this is this huge opportunity for them to like get in somewhere and prove themselves and be challenged by the work that they're doing. And it's, you know, it's like your, your boss saying, oh, we'll give you cases. Like, sure, go do it. You know, cause they know that they're getting a great deal from you. They know that they're getting somebody with essentially limitless energy and who is very much trying to to prove themselves and prove their worth in the world and challenge themselves and show what they can do and how easy it can be to forget that we're kind of like always doing that through our whole career through our whole thing i mean you're like, doing that every time you write a book right the, like the you're, funny you're thing, as you were saying that i was thinking in a lot of ways I feel like I have more energy and am doing more interesting things now than I have ever done in my life I blew my twenties. I was just, you know, goofing off most of the time. Did you? Yeah. It doesn't sound like it. No, I was having, I was having way too much fun. See, I don't think I had any fun until now. I think now by creating a business that I, I actually love what I'm doing every day. This is like the first time that I've actually really, truly loved the stuff that I get to do Every day, there were parts of my jobs that I liked in the past, but there was so much of it overwhelmingly that I kind of went in and thought, yeah, I hate, I hate the 60, 70, 80% of, of what I'm supposed to be doing during the day, like actively dislike it. Yeah. That's and rough. it was, it was, yeah, it was the payoff was the 20% that I actually liked doing. And my goal was always to try and find like some job where I would really like the stuff that I was doing in the majority of the time. And for me, that didn't happen until really until I started like five by five and I had worked my way up, man. Like I was like CTO of a tech startup in San Francisco. And that seemed like the Holy grail job for a guy like me. Like what would be, what's better than being a CTO of a San Francisco Merlin startup? You know what I mean? Like that's, that seemed like yeah. the thing you want. And I mean, what what was the thing that you wanted when you were doing, you know, when you were starting out? Like, what was your goal? I don't know. I just wanted to try cases. Like you weren't thinking one day I'll be a partner and I'll have a big no. office in the corner. No. Actually, you know, the funny thing is I've just never been attracted to the big money lawyer thing. Yeah. I mean, I. Do you I think have, a lot of lawyers are in it for that? Uh, I don't think so. I think a lot of lawyers get into it because they like the intellectual challenge and the bits of it, but then they get a job that pays really well. And then they get all the toys that come with that. And then, you know, they're, they're latched to the grindstone at that point. And that's just never been really a thing for me. I, I worked for a, um, this is a story kind of for your quit show, but I, I, um, I've always been with a small firm at one point in my career. Um, I had a case with a big firm and it went really well and they offered me a job and it was like a ton of money. Yeah. And, and I got thinking, you know, if I work for these guys for like 10 years, cause I could probably retire. I'd be great. I'd be set. And I lasted two weeks. Oh yeah. I went over there and it was just like a complete wrong fit for me. And I mean, for a bunch of reasons, I, I'm not someone who fits in a big, in a big organization. And, um, and the old guys said, man, we really wish you would work for us still. And here's a little extra money. And it wasn't nearly as much as any other firm, but 
I, I realized uh, I woke up one day. What happens? I woke up one day with a new job and I looked in the mirror. I'm like, you know, I don't like that guy. I don't like what he does. And hmm. it's not the kind of lawyer I want to be. And and I went in and quit. So that was weird. Two weeks. It's like your George, uh, it's a wonderful life yeah. moment, right? Yeah, it was. It was great. I mean, it, it was it was the most, it was very challenging. I mean, you know, you, you always wonder, what are you going to do if someone says, Here's all the money, but you got to do this stuff you're going to hate. And, um, but it's all the money. All you got to do is suck it up. And, and people were telling me just that they're like, suck it up, you know, three or four months from now, you'll be able to handle it and you'll be able to deal with it and it won't bother you anymore. And, and I'm like, I, that's, that, that scares me almost more than, <laughs> than losing the money. And uh, what I realized is if I had kept doing that for 10 years, I'd probably be dead. So I just, I'm out of there, but, but it, it's, it's hard. Um, and the, you know, but also lawyers don't make as much money as I think a lot of people think. I, I mean, there are some that make a great deal of money, but it's hard work. You gotta, you know, you gotta bill your hours and you gotta do all the stuff. It's, it's not easy. So uh, my approach to my career has always been, you know, I want to make enough to support my family, but I don't need to have the fanciest cars or whatever. In, in fact, these books to me have been really a godsend because my, when we had our second child, we decided that my wife would stay home because I, you know, she really wanted to be with the kids and I make enough that we could pull that off without, you know, huge retirement accounts and things. Right. Right. But I also knew that, you know, when you have kids at some point, the college thing starts showing up and we were putting away some for college, but not nearly as much as we should. And, and these books have just been just amazing for me. I mean, the books haven't made me enough money to like quit my job and, you know, be, you know, get my condo in Hawaii and all that. But, you know, as I'm looking at my youngest, my oldest daughter's starting college next year and I can totally do this now. And it feels so great. I'm going to get her through college and she's not going to have any debt. And you that's know, awesome. Ma- you know, Max Sparky is, is why that's amazing. I just, I think that's, you know, such a, we always talk on this show and, 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 and I talk about it on quip, like having goals that are achievable and reasonable. And, you know, you always hear people saying, Oh, you know, stupid, never, you should never have a lifestyle business. You know, you got to go big. You got to think bigger than that. And yeah, I mean, like think bigger. What, what, wouldn't you love it if every single person who owned an iOS device had a copy of your book? Well, of course, like, yeah, but you know, the fact that like you're putting your kid through college based on this fun project that you did, that's gotta be rewarding. That's gotta be like a huge win. Yeah, it is. It is. It's great. I love it. And, and just, you know, on the more hippie level, I feel like these books are the best thing I've ever made in my life. I mean, wow. in a lot of ways. I mean, it's, it's, I'm so proud of them and it, it is, well, all, they are awesome. It's so hard making them. I mean, you know, we, we've talked about how do you write the words, but the whole production level of this stuff, getting it in iBooks author and getting the screencast made. And there are like a million little things that you never would think of that come up when you make these things. And and every time I get in the last, you know, month stretch to finish one, my whole life gets turned upside down because I'm trying to get all this stuff done. But when I sit back and look at it, I'm just so proud of, of what they, they are. I, you know, I, I think I'm going to look back on my life one day and be, be very happy with this, this project. Well, you should be. I, I just wonder, though, as you are working on this and you start to see this thing come together, how do you deal or do you not experience burnout? How do you deal with that? Like when you're like, you know what, I just can't work on this now. Like I've got to go away from it for a week or two or three. I mean, does that happen to you or are you just thrilled to do it the whole entire time and it's, everything's just perfect? It's weird because I'm doing this juggling act with my day job where sometimes I'll like get in trial or something and then all that stuff gets placed on hold for a while and I just can't work on it. So it gets delayed and so I get forced kind of breaks with the stuff. Um, I, I've never had the experience of being able to say, okay, I'm going to take a month and write one of these start to finish. And I don't know yeah. how I would react to that. Maybe, I, maybe it would be better. I don't know, but I, I just am not kind of in the position right now to know, but I do get little breaks as I go along, but, but the, um, the push to finish it is, is just crazy. Cause there's just all sorts of little things. I mean, iBooks author isn't the most mature software. So, you know, you run into all sorts of little issues and, you know, things happen that you don't expect to happen and it's tough, but I don't know. I, I think the final product is great. And 
like I said, I really want it to be something I can be proud of. And, and one of the things that gets me through it, frankly, is the feedback. Because I get so many great emails from people that buy the books, and then they write and tell me how you know, they just gave a presentation and their boss told them it was the best presentation he's ever seen. I just got that email yesterday. And I'm like, wow, you know, that's awesome. I think when you hear that, like we didn't do back to work last week and you know, there, there's no, I think there's no better indication uh, that you have a show that people like than when you miss an episode that you start getting not one, but like dozens and dozens of emails and tweets from people who are like, is the show done? Is it on hiatus? It's on the one hand, it's funny because it's like, okay, uh, we missed one week, you know, and immediately people are all the way to, I guess the show's over now. I guess you're not doing the show anymore. It's done and please don't cancel it. Uh, but the flip side of that is there are people who really care about this thing that you're making or this thing that you're creating or this, you know, whether it's uh, you're writing a blog or you're, you know, you're making a podcast or you're writing these books that, that, that these things, people really love them. They really genuinely I, care I about this thing you're making. I'm an invested jackal. I need you guys <laughs> because I, I do run into points where I need, you know, I need a kick in the pants or I need Merlin to tell me to say no more often. And I, I just love what you guys do. And I like the, well, you know, it's, it's, the, the interesting thing about the show is it's really two shows. It's like, you know, the goofy Merlin and Dan show. And then once in a while, they just bang you over the head with some common sense that, that like you really need to hear. Hmm. And I, I like the goofy part too. So it's, it's all good for me. Merlin does a lot of, uh, you know, he, he, he has a lot of prepared statements. I think that he's very good at uh, making them seem very natural, but, uh, you know, they're all, it's all, it's all, it's all pre-written. I'm kidding. I think he, I think he, <laughs> yeah. what's always amazing is if you, if you look at the show, if you, if you listen to the show and you're a fan of back to work and you're, you listen to it, it, it's uncanny to me how in not every case, but in so many cases, the show appears to have this sort of arc of, it starts out one way and then some things seeds will be planted and then it'll evolve into this thing and it'll circle back. That's, I don't know if it's planned. I don't know if his mind just works that way, but that's like this uncanny talent that Merlin has to sort of weave this tapestry of what seems like random chaotic ideas into something that's so cohesive and so helpful and so directed by the end of the show that it's like it's watching a magician work in a way, you know, like it's it's ama it's amazing. I don't think he even knows he's doing it really in a conscious way. And that's what makes it after doing the show for I don't know how many years now. It's it it never ceases to amaze me to be kind of on that ride with the way that he does that. It's so much fun. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great show. I know uh, b before we wrap this thing up, we got to do our last sponsor who uh, they're actually someone you you know a little bit about, Dave. Uh, okay. It's a it's a, it's a, it's a brand new little uh, company called Smile. Ah, I do know those you know guys. them. You yeah. do know them. And uh, he, here's what they want us to talk about this week. Uh, and how fortuitous that you are the surprise guest because you you've done so much with them. Uh, but basically, if you work with, they do lots of things. But this week, I'm talking about PDF Pen. If you do anything with PDFs. They have come out with, and, and for years now they've been doing this, and it just keeps getting better, the multi-purpose PDF editor. It's called PDF Pen. You can do all this, the, the basic stuff that you would want to do, but it has so many features. Like what? Well, you can make changes to a PDF. You can fix typos. You can resize images. You can merge PDFs. You can extract pages into a new PDF. It can do optical character recognition, which uh, David Sparks will tell you is called OCR, that lets you digitize a scanned document. So you can have paperless. You want to be paperless? This is how you do it. You want to redact? Dave likes to redact. As a lawyer, that's all they do is redact. That lets you remove it permanently from a complete PDF. You pull this stuff out. It's gone. PDF Pen has uh, six. It has Microsoft Word export because lawyers always want you to use Word so you can export for your lawyer. Oh, that's a, total, they have an that's editing a dirty bar trick that, that lawyers do all the time. Is they send, what's that? They send you like you're working on a contract. 
and they send you a PDF version. You know, they made it in Word, and they just print it as PDF, and they send you the PDF with the idea that you're going to say, well, it's a PDF. I can't change that, so I guess we'll just sign it, you know? So I get PDF <laughs> yeah, Right, pin. I can't edit that. Yeah, so I, I got to take, take it I, or leave it. I get PDF pin out, I, and PDF pin automatically turns it into a Word document. So then I, I turn it into a Word document on my side. Then I make changes, and I send it back to them. And they're like, what What just happened? They don't even get it. Yeah, they're, conf- they're confused. Oh, You've yeah. outsmarted them again. I have. Foghorn leghorn style. I have confused the enemy. <laughs> so you got all this stuff built into it. PDF Pen 6 is a professional tool. This is something that I have uh, on the Mac. I've got it on my iOS devices. I don't know what I possibly did before this. I really don't know. But uh, you can get it for fifty nine ninety five. You can get a free demo of it. Uh, by going to uh, smilesoftware.com slash B as in boy, two as in the number, W as in women. And uh, and you can go there. And, and by the way, while you're there, you can see more stuff that uh, Dave has done because uh, there's tons of videos that you've done that show people how to how to do all of this, really all of this stuff very, very effectively. So uh, so go there and, uh, and and check this out. You can also, don't forget, there's something called PDF Pen Scan Plus. So you can get mobile OCR to the iPad and iPhone. So imagine this. You're out somewhere and uh, maybe you do contracts. Maybe you want to get documents. Maybe you're like a spy and you want to go and you you can hold up your iOS device. It takes a picture and turns that into a document right there that you can like edit. It's it's mind-blowing what they're doing. So go check these guys out. Smilesoftware.com slash B2W. Go check out the stuff that uh, that they do with the stuff that uh, Dave has done for them. And uh, thanks very much to them for supporting the Merlin Man Show. Yeah, he just he, – he's, he's great. So much fun to do it. So many people have learned so much about comics because of Merlin. Yeah, it got me into it. And I also like the little Buddhist things you throw in every once in a while. Yeah, I, I used to do a lot more of that. And I think it's because I'm such a, a poor – a piss poor Buddhist that I've kind of uh, stopped talking about it so quite so much, uh, but you know it, it's it's hard to do that. There's a see to my benefit, people generally tend to think of Buddhism more as a philosophy than a religion, which it's not. It's absolutely as much of a religion as any other religion. But people are like, well, it's more of a philosophy than a religion. I'm like, yeah. So let's talk about it, uh, and, that, and that's that's nice. Uh, but there there is so much to be learned from these concepts that deal with stress and deal with the struggle and deal with figuring things out. That um, you know, it, it always comes down to when when you're really being tested in life, um, your perspective can play such a big role into how you handle that stress and to how you handle your reactions. Because even though it seems hard to believe, like your reactions to things are under your control. Generally, they really are under your control. Well, no, what if someone stubs your toe? Yeah, you can actually control your reaction to that or you can choose how you react to that is a better way of seeing it. Yeah. You know, you can, you can, you can, you chose whether you knew it or not, on that first case, you chose how to react to that guy. I could see people being like, wow, that guy is going to tap dance on, you know, on me. And there, there's no way I can win, but I'll just put in them. I'll just put in the minimal thing I need to do. And like, nobody expects you to win your first case, right? Like it's your first case. You're supposed to lose that. Right. And this is my first time going to trial. Like, how am I, I can't win my first time, you know, like, but you didn't. Yeah. You know, like you, 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 you kicked ass. I don't really, I don't know where I am. I'm not sure I would call myself a Buddhist either, but I do have a sitting practice. I actually do a, a mindfulness meditation every morning. And I, I attribute, I give that a lot of credit for anything I'm able to pull off. I, I think when I get out of the habit, like once in a while, for some reason or another, I'll stop doing it for a while. And it, it does affect me. Yeah, it does. I, I remember talking to somebody once um, about their practice and they're like, they're like, why is it that you sit every day? And uh, she that sounds said, moronic, right? <laughs> yeah, she's like, well, she's like, because I become an intolerable person if I don't. <laughs> that's a good. You know, it's it. almost like you do it for other people as much as you do it for yourself, and that's true. Like when I uh, am 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 not practicing, uh, I know it because I feel completely different, and the people around me 
definitely know it. Uh, and it, it is, you know, I use, I remember when my, you know, when I worked from home and we had, you know, my, my son was like a year or two old. I worked from home. I was doing, you know, before podcasting very much, I was doing software development and it was like this really laid back chill life where I pretty much controlled every aspect of my time and, and of what I was doing. Uh, and people be like, Oh, it's so hard to maintain your practice. Like, how do you do? I'm like, what are you talking about? It's so easy, you know? And yeah, it's so easy when you have like this really structured life and you're in charge of everything and add a couple kids to that and a, you know, a demanding job or two and, uh, and, and put yourself on somebody else's schedule. Like you don't control when your kid's school starts, generally speaking, uh, or when both of your kids' school starts or when other things need to happen, all of a sudden you're running you know, on office or you work in an office and you've got the school and you've got these other duties and things to perform. Gosh, it sure is easy to fall out of your practice. So you know, the fact that you can fit that in every day I think is a testament to the, the benefit that it brings. You know, that's something that's so hard to do. I just think it's fascinating to observe your mind. And if you've never done it before, try and just sit in a chair – for 10 minutes and just try and clear your mind, you know, just the, the practice, usually they start off with just breathing or counting, but right. like you can get to like one breath and suddenly you're thinking about the next comic you want to read or the movie you want to watch or that thing somebody said to you at work two weeks ago, or it is crazy how rebellious your brain can be and how it can just generate all this stuff when you just want to sit and re- you know, and breathe for a minute. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I want to sit and, and focus on my breathing and the way that that feels. And all of a sudden, like, yeah, I remember that time in camp when I hit a bullseye in my archery class. That was the best. And my parents got to see me. Do- Wait a minute. Yeah. Why am I thinking about that? <laughs> yeah. And why am I thinking about the fact that I was thinking about that? Let's go back to yeah. counting and breathing again. Yeah, because a- that, you know, that time that, uh, you know, that I found that comic book and but was that Batman or is that Spider-Man? Wait a minute. Yeah. And what I've heard from somebody who is a very, very experienced uh, meditator uh, there, you know, when, when uh, I was reading an article and when he was asked, you know, what does 40 years of daily practice give you? And, and uh, you know, he was talking about that and they're like, well, what changes for you? Does it ever get easier? Do you, does, does your mind ever stop wandering? And his answer was no, it never does, uh, but you catch yourself faster. And that was the thing that I remember taking away from that and also seeing in my own practice after doing it for a few years is how long does it take you before you realize that you're thinking about something else? That changes. So instead of being like down the to almost the end of that story of being in our you know camp and I'm shooting, you know, shooting bow and arrow. How far into that day of remembering do you get before you realize that, oh, wait, that's not what I'm sitting here to do. I'm sitting here to to focus on my breath. That gets much, much, much faster so that you catch yourself much, much, much sooner. And your reaction to getting off track, it becomes much, much, much less instead of being Damn it! Why was I thinking about that? I've, I don't know how long I've been thinking about. Instead of that reaction, you're like, "All right, thinking." Yeah, and then I, you go back to what you're doing. I'd say the benefits. And your whole day, your whole day turns into that. Yeah, the, the benefits Calm from reaction. The two biggest benefits for me are: is, is number one is when you learn to kind of discipline your mind a little bit more. It gives you a little bit of space between something happening to you and your reaction, and it allows you to kind of intervene before right. it goes crazy and. The other thing is, I, I don't, you know, I hear a lot of people have issues with anger. For me, I think my biggest hang up is fear. I'm always afraid. You know, I, what if I lose my job and we're out on the street? What, you know, you, it's just stupid, irrational things. And, but you always have this fear. And, and the meditation practices allowed me to kind of pick it apart. And, you know, when I say, oh, you're feeling fear right now, and then start thinking about, well, why is that? And, and you're, you know, be able to kind of diffuse the bomb. And uh, that's been the benefit for me. But I don't go to a Zen center or anything. I did. I did for a while to learn how to meditate, but I've I've not been like an active person in it at all. Yeah, but see, that's the thing. You you only need as much structure as you need. You know, yeah. you only need you only need what you need. And yeah. there's different levels of practice, and you can find there isn't like a right or wrong one. 
you know, like whatever works for you and whatever helps you. Like meditating once a week for five minutes is, if you're, if you're into this, it's better than not meditating at all. Yeah. You know? Well, listen, where can people go to like find you? I have some, uh, some things here in the show notes. The show notes, by the way, are at 5by5.tv slash B2W slash 181. You can go to com. The 5x5.tv, so MPU, that's a Mac Power Users, a great show you do with Katie Floyd. Uh, and, uh, and and where else? they can? Where can they find? Those are the you're two on Twitter. big ones. Yeah, I'm on Twitter, you're on Twitter. As, as Max Sparky. And if you go to MaxSparky.com, everything's there. Podcast, the books, putting, you got the whole thing. But, uh, I'm also, putting you in here also in got, the notes. And you, you are also in Los Angeles, and people can can spend quality time with you. Yeah, just let me know. Come over, we'll do barbecue. Backyard. (laughs) Getting really good at bratwurst. (laughs) That's awesome. Oh, thank you so much for filling in uh, for 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 Merlin. I think you did a great job. As of you know, it's always great for us to to chat and uh, and people. You should really pay attention to what David is doing. He's a super genius, internet rascal, as he calls himself. But uh, do go check it out. I've learned a ton from from you, Dave, and. Thank you for the work that you do, and thanks for for being on the show. I sure do appreciate it. I I'm uh, I'm I feel honored, and I just want to tell you and Merlin wherever you are out there. Uh, we I just love what you guys do, and and I can't wait for next week's episode when you get that weirdo off and you get Merlin back. <laughs> thanks, man. <laughs>